Welcome to the Staying Golden Podcast, where we'll be catching up with Laurier alumni to give the Laurier community a glimpse of what the future may hold after graduation. We would like to acknowledge that Wilfrid Laurier University and its campuses are located on the Haldeman Track, traditional territory of the Neutral, Anishinaabe, and Haudenosaunee peoples. Hi, today I'm here with Stuart and Courtney Russell, who founded their small business, Well-Baked Box, together. Stuart graduated from Laurier in 2011, and Courtney received an undergraduate degree in 2012, then went on to earn a master's in 2014. Now, uh, first of all, I just want to ask you guys, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good, thanks. Yeah, good, thank you. All right, so Stuart, from what I understand, you got a Bachelor of Science in Biology from Laurier and then went on to study reproductive biology at Guelph, where you got both your master's and your PhD. So could you tell us a little bit about your experience on Laurier campus first? Yeah, for sure. So Laurier was excellent. Um, I liked the smaller class sizes, classic thing to say about Laurier. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, I, I did feel like I had the opportunity to get to know my professors a little bit better and, and there was more room to talk to them about you know, questions about course material and stuff. Laurier is also a super fun campus. So uh, I know that we had a lot of, we had a lot of fun in undergrad while still uh, getting the work that we need to done. So that was great. I actually, um, when I went on to Guelph, I didn't get my master's. I started in a master's program that was a one-year uh, master. It's called a, it was called a master's in biomedical science. Um, and it's a course-based program. There's a couple universities that do that type of thing. But um, if you, you can either graduate and go straight into industry from the master, the short master's program, or you can do a direct entry into a PhD if you've kind of shown the professors that you have uh, what it takes. So, yeah, that that's a that's the brief of my path. Um, I don't know, of course, yeah, that's that's basically the short of it. Sure, yeah, and then I guess I would ask the same to you, Courtney. Um, how did you find your Laurier experience, kind of in general, and what were some things that stood out to you? Yeah, I I also loved. Um, I feel like that is a classic answer. I love the small campus. Um, it was easier to meet other people and also your professors. I feel like it allowed me to, you know, meet enough professors to know that I wanted to do a master's and do um, research and kind of have that integrative pathway right into my master's. So I did my thesis during my undergrad um, while working with a professor, the same professor that I kind of went on to do my master's with. And uh yeah, I just love the campus. It was small and cute and perfect. And uh, Waterloo is a great city to live in as well. So I think um, I, I miss it there. When I we go to Waterloo, we're always like, oh, so much nostalgia. Yeah, absolutely. I also moved out here for school. So it's a different vibe out here with all the students. Mm -hmm. um, so I understand that you guys got to meet each other at Laurier. I was kind of hoping to hear the story of how you guys met and how uh, it became what it is today. Uh, yeah, we met through friends. So he, uh, Stu is a, graduated a year before me. So we had some overlap in, um, labs, just seeing each other. And then we had some mutual friends and we met, and then we, uh, you moved on to your PhD at Guelph and I was finishing up my master's and then we just ended up kind of re-meeting, <laughs> uh, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I heard that she was single. And I... <laughs> <laughs> finally because you know she was she had a, a a boyfriend all during undergrad yes and so when I found out that uh you know that elusive Courtney was single I decided to reach out and see if she wanted to to uh rekindle things so, right 
Well, kind of along those lines, as uh, students are getting back into in-person classes, do you have any dating advice you would offer to our Laurier community? Wow. <laughs> uh, just have fun. And the extracurriculars were key for, for me. I felt, I felt like I'd met a lot of people and became more of the person I am today through the, the extracurriculars I did. Like, of course, you have to get all your coursework done, but but don't be afraid to go out and, you know, be part of the O-week, you know, shenanigans and be part of, um, there, I was actually in fashion and motion, which was really fun, uh, you know, dancing around for, for charity. So that was cool. There's lots of other things, other groups and associations to be part of. So don't, don't let those pass you by, even if it's academic associations, those can be uh, excellent tools for, for making connections and, you know, whether they're romantic or not, they go for a long time. So for sure i think that's great advice um so besides meeting each other what would you think is like the best experience you had at laurier for me i would say all the clubs like there's so many great like the laurier biology association i was part of like the laurier charity council in um during my like graduate like my master's i was part of the gsa which was an amazing association for graduate students and just like an also an awesome way to meet people I met a lot of like my close friends still now through that program or that association, I guess. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I love, I love like all the community and all the people you meet and like, there's just, you know, your friends for, I feel like your university friends are, you might not be like best friends with them still, but you still keep in touch and have such great memories to kind of relate to. What about you? Yeah. So mine is probably more on the academic side, which shaped my whole, uh, trajectory. So I did a thesis, an undergrad thesis in biology with uh, Dr. Matthew Smith. Uh, he's, I believe he's still a professor there. And he was just such a great mentor and um, had so much patience for all my silly questions. And, and I had a great, uh, there was a postdoc in his lab that was an excellent mentor as well. So just getting, getting into research at Laurier, even though the research program isn't that big, um, it was, you know, tight knit and it made me, it kind of like took away the, the unknowns around going into a research path, because I think that uh, when you're you're getting into your third year, you start to wonder what's happening after I finish, and uh, what you know what can I even do? And yes, you can go straight into industry, you can uh, you know work, or you can you know start your own business, or you, there's lots of different things you can do. But when you're considering research, the best way to know whether it's for you or not is just to do that thesis because even if you don't chase things afterwards, if an employer sees that you did an undergrad thesis, they know that you have some critical thinking ability that you've developed. So um, it was just a, a great experience and, and don't shy away from the undergrad thesis because it's research seems kind of scary. Just, just uh, try to find a supervisor. They'll help you get a project and, and work through it. For sure. And yeah, one of those pieces of advice I've been getting over and over again is find someone to mentor you or you know, find someone who can kind of give you that advice or point you in the right direction um, in whatever area you're in. So now kind of on that research, you're the director of embryo and implantation research at the Create Fertility Center in Toronto. So could you tell us a little bit about what that entails? Yeah, for sure. So after my PhD, I was, I started looking for jobs and they were hiring a technician actually at, at Create. 
And with a PhD, like you're, you're kind of overqualified for a technician position, but given that they were hiring and that I thought it would be a great fit, I reached out anyways for that position and they ended up interviewing me for a director position, which is very generous for someone who has no experience in industry. And it wasn't until maybe like two years in that I finally felt like I kind of filled the, filled the boots and uh, was able to, to perform the director position to the level that I wanted to. But I, the thing was, is that I just cast my net wide. I actually applied to Mount Sinai Fertility as well and had an interview there. And, and so there, there were options because I decided to just reach out and, and try a few different things. Uh, at Create Now, in my current position, I manage a team of researchers who work in everything from how the embryo develops from kind of day zero to, you know, when the sperm meets the egg to day 12 to 14. Um, so lots of embryo development. Uh, we try to understand how, you know, what makes a good egg and what makes good sperm. Uh, so on, kind of on the diagnostic front. And then we also have projects uh, looking at therapies to treat things like recurrent implantation failure. So when the, when the patients will get multiple embryos transferred, but nothing is kind of sticking and, and leading to an ongoing pregnancy. So we've got, we've got different diagnostics and therapies we're working on just trying to improve the standard of care for, for patients going through fertility treatments. Gotcha. Oh, that is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, but it's a really cool job. And yeah, I'm super grateful for the team that, that we've developed and, and the opportunity that Dr. Lee Brock, the medical director there, has given us to, to pursue research because I know the, the research team, um, like it costs quite a bit to, to run a research program that big, uh, both in time and money. And he is very generous with that. So one of the only clinics in Canada that, that do that and one of the few worldwide so very, very grateful to be part of that team. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. And so, Courtney, you graduated as a doctor of naturopathy from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. How do you think your experience from Laurier led you there? And what does that kind of entail on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, yeah, so um, after my undergraduate, I did my master's in botany with uh, Dr. Mihai Kostia, who I believe is also still there. Uh, and so working with plants um, kind of led me to be more interested in, in plant medicine. Uh, so I, you know, continued that path. You know, my master's was ending. I didn't know what I wanted to do after my master's. I, I thought I wanted to be a professor, so consider doing a PhD. And then I went to an information information session on naturopathic medicine because, you know, it's a way you can still work with plants and be, you know, a, a naturopathic doctor. And so it really just opened my eyes to this whole new kind of medicine that I didn't really know much about. And so then I started seeing a naturopathic doctor just to see like how it would fit into my own life. And it was at, it was in Waterloo that I saw my first naturopath. But I think it was just my passion for plants <laughs> that got me into like learning about botanical medicine and wanting to learn more about botanical medicine. And then as a naturopathic doctor, uh, we use modalities like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, not naturopathic medicine, sorry, um, botanical medicine, uh, Chinese medicine, lifestyle hydrotherapy. And then, uh, yeah, it was a four year program on top of my master's and I'm now practicing in Guelph. So moving on to your side hustle here, um, your business, Well-Baked Box, could you kind of explain a little bit first what the business is and how it operates? Yeah, for sure. So uh, <laughs> Well-Baked Box is a 
kind of like a meal kit delivery service. So if you've ever had HelloFresh or Chef's Plate or Good Food, uh, Good Food, then you've experienced the kind of meal in a box. And we were actually in the middle of the pandemic when we when Courtney, the visionary of the the two of us, she she said, "Oh, you know, this HelloFresh box is great, uh, but we also, you know, we're going to snack. Like we, you know, what kind of great snacks?" could we make with a, you know, quickly. And Courtney and I are passionate about our, our health and what we eat. Uh, and it's kind of been evolving over the years where we've been doing more and more baking and preparing of, of really healthy snacks. And so we had some recipes on hand, but we know how much of a pain it can be to get everything together. Uh, so Courtney said, you know, I wish there was a box like this HelloFresh box where we could bake healthy treats. And um, what happened is we just started like chasing it down and seeing, you know, okay, that sounds great, but there's got to be someone doing it. And then we found no one doing it. And we're like, okay, it's got to be too hard. You know, maybe, maybe it's too complicated. There's, you know, too many ingredients or something. And, and it just, it cascaded from there. So we developed a gluten-free, dairy-free and naturally sweetened uh, recipe kit. And some of our recipes are also vegan or keto friendly um, for people who are doing low carb diets. So now we deliver every week um, a new set of recipes to people uh, locally in Guelph, Waterloo, Cambridge, uh, all the kind of outlying cities. We go as far as Hamilton and Halton now too. So, you know, Georgetown down to, to Oakville and things. Uh, and we deliver every week to a new set of recipes and then we'll switch them up on the weekend and uh, start again. And we've been doing that for about a year and four months now. Amazing. So who is the one selecting the recipes? I'm guessing Courtney, you're doing that. <laughs> How did you get? <laughs> uh, I, yeah. So we try to do copycat recipes, you know, like, so we have our Twix bars, uh, which we call like holy Twix bars, or, you know, we do our copycat Mars bar, which is the Venus bars. So we just take things that are popular and we create it so that they're gluten-free, dairy-free and, refined sugar-free. Yeah, we also have, you know, muffins. Uh, we have like some pretty popular scones. scones that we have like a scone recipe that people love. And so we just like switch it up. So we have like, you know, one week it'll be mixed berry and the next week it'll be a double chocolate scone. And then it'll be like a lemon blueberry scone. And so the scone recipe is versatile and we're able to, to package uh, different variations that are all really delicious. So going back to like the journey of starting the business, um, how would you say you got like from the idea to getting that first customer? I feel like I always answer this question. So I'd love to hear how Courtney answers it because <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like the builder. Courtney, you know, she's like, let's do this. And I'm like, okay, how are we going to do it? Uh, so Courtney, how is it that we went from conception yeah, yeah. to to delivery? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so I'm definitely the idea person I have lots of ideas it's sometimes a burden to have so many ideas with like the lack of time that we have um so I yeah we had the idea and then Stu is definitely the executor so he you know researched you know how do you create a business how do you get licensed where do you have to package what packaging materials would we need and so yeah, we, I would say we had the idea in May, I think it was April or May. And then it took us until like we launched in October. So it was just like, you know, figuring out how would this work? You know, what, what platform would we use? So we built a website and then we designed the box and we found a commercial kitchen so that we could package it legally. And then we got our business license. And then 
yeah, we, the creating the name was probably the hardest thing. And, and we went through some, some like 99 designs. Anyway, we did some online. Yeah. We tools. used 90, yeah, 99 <laughs> designs to um, do us. the logo. Like we came up with the the name because you have to have a unique name. You search through the you know trademark database mm-hmm. and the business database, and then you can like submit uh, a potential name, and then they'll get back to you and say, "Yep, like it's different enough that you can use this name, and it's not patented and stuff." So um, there was a bunch of little steps, but honestly, like nothing. If you have an idea, it's, it, nothing is really that hard to to get through. There's hoops, but they're not like super high hoops. Like mm-hmm. you can jump through them. Um, and it was just a matter of like, you know, okay, this is a good idea. Let's just go through the checkpoints and make sure that we can do it and then how we're going to do it. And and yeah, the most important thing is kind of why you're doing something. And once you've got that figured out, the rest can be sorted out along the way. Sure. So what would you guys say that your why is your main motivation for starting and continuing to run this business? We really want to make healthy baking easy and accessible. So like when we started, we had a lot of friends and family who were watching Courtney's uh, kind of journey through, new, you know, improving her nutrition. So she's posting uh, new meals that we make that are healthy and and then also snacks and dessert foods and people would say oh i love that like how did you make those almond butter chocolate chip blondies uh gluten-free and and you know refined sugar-free that's you know crazy uh and so they would ask us can can we the recipe and courtney would post the recipes or, or give the recipes and then a lot of times people would be like i don't have any monk fruit i don't have you know almond flour or tapioca i don't want to buy this big bag just for one recipe i don't even know if it's going to work or if i'm going to like it you know so just to break the barriers to healthy eating, uh, we we determined, and after we did a little pilot too, we said, okay, is this actually going to be easier and enjoyable for people? So we put together the recipe kits just in mason jars for our friends and family uh, and said, here's the instructions, like, just try it out and make it yourself. And if you find it, you know, tell us what you think. Is it going, was it easy for you? Was it a challenge? Um, could you follow the instructions? And and the the feedback was all positive. They said, wow, it really turned out. I felt like I could bake. Um, you know, it's something that I'd never really done before. And, and it was really made easy. So with, you know, taking all that into consideration, we said, wow, there's really a, a, a market for this as a niche and people uh, have been enjoying it ever since. Awesome. And yeah, as a like a student who learned how to cook through the pandemic using HelloFresh boxes, I can <laughs> definitely see that being super helpful. All right. So yeah, in terms of the day-to-day operation of the business, how does that work exactly? Do you guys have employees? Are you doing everything yourselves? And if so, what are each of you doing? Um, so we do uh, have employees. So we have two University of Guelph students um, that help us with packaging. So uh, every week we have to package all the recipes that go out each week. Um, and then they also have some tasks to do from home, whether it be, you know, editing the recipe cards or entering recipes into the database. And then I would say like my role is working with the social media, um, organizing what recipes will be launched when, creating new recipe ideas. And then Stu is, um, you know, he does all the ordering. He is talking to the customers a lot via email and then he is the master chef in the kitchen so he's the one baking everything (laughs) 
and mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all the, the recipe testing. So Courtney's like, oh, it would be awesome if we had a pecan pie bar. And then, you know, three hours later, I'm like here. And she's like, ah, it's not gooey enough. I'm like, okay, great. Let me just go back and change everything. Uh, no, but, but it's, it's good. I, I enjoy, I always enjoyed baking. My, my mom uh, was a big baker. And so I grew up baking with my mom a lot. And, uh, yeah, lots of experience there. And so it's basically, I'm like the person who, according to this, yeah, this, all the social media that, which takes a lot of time making posts and things. Uh, and I end up doing the kind of nitty gritty and I'm down there, uh, doing a lot of the ingredient inventory management and, and ordering and stuff like that. Totally. So in terms of selecting employees, how did that process work for you? Because I know for a small business, that can be like a pretty important thing to your selection process for new employees. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it is an important thing. I think the biggest thing you should look for, if you know, if you have a small business and you're looking to bring someone on, is that they align with your your values. So you should know, you know, why the business is important, why you're doing it, and they should align with that that why and they should align with those values and then after that they have to obviously have the skill sets that you're looking for and be easy to work with and and kind of hard working is key but it's very hard to vet that when you're doing an interview uh so yeah mostly it's just that they're aligning with your values and that they can see the the vision of the the company we we what we did actually was look for co-op students through the university of guelph so our first our first employee was a co-op student and was on with us for the whole summer. And then we picked up another student to help with the kind of winter season of, of craziness around Christmas. Uh, so it's been going well. I think that it's challenging to manage people. You definitely have to kind of step into a different mode when you're managing versus when you're you're just coworkers and you move down their packaging. But um, yeah, it's, it's also invaluable to have the other perspective of, of employees on your team. Absolutely. And I think that's great that you guys are doing the co-op thing as a current co-op student. It's an amazing program. So that's awesome. Now, Courtney, earlier you spoke of kind of not having much time to get everything done. So I was wondering how you guys balance each having full-time jobs, a young family and this small business now. We do. I mean, we do. It's hard. So I work evenings and and Stu works mornings. And then um we at the beginning like during the pandemic we had a lot of help from my mom and our friends with like watching madison our daughter um and we work a lot in the evenings i will say that's pretty much when we get everything done from like 7 to 11 sometimes even midnight that's when we're like pushing you know content or um baking is usually done on the weekends or the evenings all of yeah all of our our work is in the evening And when starting out, um, so did you guys have investors that helped back this or family and friends, or did you fully back it yourselves? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. It really depends on your business model, uh, how you would decide that. For us, we decided, and Courtney's a very conservative person, which I am grateful for because I'm more of like a risk taker. So there was kind of two ways we could do it. We could throw a ton of eggs in the basket and start running and hope that, you know, we can get to the finish line before the the loans come due or, you know, finding investors and like 
bringing a huge stake in the business, which could pay off because you get a head start and you have um, lots, you know, a big, really big overhead, but then it can develop into to a large market. But it also means that you're kind of stuck if things go sideways and it's harder to pivot. So what we ended up doing was putting in our own money, um, kind of a couple thousand dollars at a time and building things up and expanding where we need to. Uh, the biggest expense was, you know, getting boxes because you want to get boxes printed with your logo, but that's like by itself costs like $3,500 or something the first time. And so you're like, okay, well that'll last us for the next nine, nine months or 12 months, but it's like such a huge upfront cost. But we were able to absorb those costs ourselves uh, and we managed the, you know, the kind of first year and then the incoming revenue, luckily with with our business model was enough to um, subsidize all the kind of further purchases so that we've been able to scale up without breaking the bank and like going into huge amounts of debt. Got it. That's amazing that you're able to kind of do that with your own capital and and slowly build up. It seems like more of a rare case these days with new businesses. It definitely is. But I also think that people are like it, it, the lean startup method. Uh, I read that book pretty early on. I think a lot of times people think that they are like, okay, we got a new business idea. Like, great. Now let's get a bunch of money and spend it on like not having to do the work ourselves or like make it big right away. Well, why not? start with the seed and grow the seed a little bit at a time, because that way, yes, you might not be able to like explode, you know, you won't have the ability to just like let as many orders as you want in. If it gets really big, you have to restrict things, but I think it just makes it you much more adaptive and much more agile as a business. So starting with, you know, okay, what we're going to do, we don't have to buy a bunch of packaging. Let's go out or let's just use like mason jars or something at the very beginning and see if people are actually going to start buying this. And if they are, then we can like within a week or two, get the packaging we need. And like, it'll, you know, might be a little bit hard, but we can do it that way. Uh, and it, since you have been able to build a business to a certain point, have you searched for investors in any way, or are you going to keep using the business to fund the business? We don't need investors right now. Because like an influx of money wouldn't actually be what we need in the business. The things that we need to grow right now are marketing um, expertise, which neither of us really have. Like we've, Courtney's done a good job on Instagram promoting and Facebook promoting our business, but none of it has been paid advertising to this point. And I think that we've kind of, we've hit a bit of a wall, or at least if we're creeping up, it's slowly. So we've got some uh, businesses that are that are using our products now, which is very helpful. And we have some clientele, like well, a lot of our customers are returning customers, and that gives us a good basal level of, of income. But when it comes to expanding into other regions, like we're starting to do, I think the next thing would be to get like marketing advice and help so that we could uh, expand the business more kind of to, to a larger market, um, which I guess could cost some money in terms of advertising, but uh, it's not like we need to go buy a building or anything. Right. And kind of along those lines of buying a building, I was curious, what are your goals or dreams with Well Big Box? Do you see this becoming your full-time endeavor in the future at some point, or is this something that will kind of remain as a side hustle? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, we've started creating a, a new product with Wellbaked that we want to kind of pursue. Uh, so we do now dry mixes only. So, uh, and they're starting to be sold in stores. Um, so we have some in kind of small little cities around Ontario, but a couple of stores in Guelph. Um, so we definitely want to grow Wellbaked, but it's, I think our passions lie with our full-time jobs. I think like I can say that safely, like Stu really loves research and I really love my job as a naturopathic doctor and helping people, but we are also still passionate about well-baked. So we haven't really decided where we're going to take it or if we're going to, ideally we'd have like a big team of people running it so that we can still make like a big, like the, a lot of the decisions within the business, but it can grow with help <laughs> and not our full-time spaces that we don't have. Yeah. So, so with us having a limited, limited amount of time and having, a toddler on the go all the time and then uh, again we've invested we both invested a lot of time and our passion is is with our um, regular gigs so well well baked is amazing and i've definitely enjoyed the journey and i plan to pursue it i just don't don't see me stepping out of my current role to um to take well baked like kind of to a large, large level. If we were going to do that, I think we would probably sit on the board of, of a, a company where there's employees and like a CEO who is, who is leading it, leading the charge. Gotcha. So how do you guys personally define success with this business? Like as an entrepreneur starting a business, what is kind of the, the point that you have to reach to think, think that you are successful? <laughs> That's a good question. I think making a difference, you know what I mean? Like our mission was always to bring, make healthy baking more accessible, more enjoyable. You know, there is this misconception that healthy baking doesn't taste good. It's too hard. The recipes don't work. Um, and so when we created it, it was really to allow people to kind of eat healthier, especially with like baking and snacking and enjoy it and want to pursue that, um, you know, avenue for their health. And so I think, I think success is like sending that message, people receiving that message and, and being like, wow, you know, you're right. This tastes amazing. And I think we've done that. Like all of our customers have had such great responses um, with all of our baking. And, um, you know, we love hearing their stories about if they're celiac or, you know, um, they're trying to reduce refined sugars for their kids and their kids enjoy this. And it's just such a great way for them to like bake with their children. And so I think for me, it's really like getting, you know, that, that, that message, that, that why that we created the business, you know, if it was received the way it has been, I think that would be a big measure of success for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that we're successful in our, in our mission kind of, every time we hear back from customers and get those, the positive feedback on, on how easy it was and how, mm -hmm. um, how much the, the family loved the, the, the ingredients that were used and then the final result and, and the process of bringing people together to bake. So that, that's where our success really comes from. Yes. You know, measuring success by financials is important. You have to, to be a sustainable business, you have to be able to cover your your costs and and make revenue so that you can reinvest it into the business that's that is important uh, but i think that courtney hit the nail on the head you have to define why you're doing it and then once you've made that difference you've made that change and you brought people together uh, then you're really succeeding in what you're doing awesome so for any uh, Laurier students who are interested in going and getting a box from Well Baked, I noticed that there was a code Laurier15. Is that still active? Yes, mm -hmm. it is. 
All right. If you're interested, Laurier 15, capital L, go ahead and shoot over to wellbakedbox.com. And where else can we find you? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? We don't have a we don't have a Twitter, but we do have an Instagram and a Facebook. Okay. So Instagram and Facebook at wellbakedbox. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. And okay, thank you guys so much for being here with us today. Uh, this is a great episode and it's really great to get some more insight on what it's like to start a business with a full-time career mm-hmm. going on as well. So yeah, I wish you guys the best of luck going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.